Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12. Joseph could have been pretty cynical. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was falsely accused of trying to rape his master's wife. Uh, But finally, he was promoted, and as he stood before his brothers, he said, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. I imagine when when you're in prison, as Joseph was, you could feel pretty limited. When you're sold into slavery by your own brothers, you could feel pretty betrayed, like things were over in your life, and yet God had a plan for Joseph, and God has a plan for you and me. (laughs) And we need to understand when we feel limited, when we feel hindered, God is not hindered. God is not limited. God is even able to take the hard circumstances of our lives, and through them, work about his purpose. The scripture that we're going to look at today, Paul is writing from a prison cell. I think he'd be pretty limited. Probably those who put him there thought that his ministry would be limited and hindered by the fact that he was in jail. It makes logical sense. But God used the imprisonment of the Apostle Paul to fulfill his purposes. And we're going to see several ways during Paul's ministry, and even while he was in prison, God was fulfilling his purposes. But he's still fulfilling his purposes even now through Paul's imprisonment. Because guess what? We have his letter. (laughs) And we are receiving encouragement today. All these years later, Through the trial and imprisonment of the Apostle Paul. You see, what makes the difference is we serve a God who has no limitations. He has all power. And there's something called providence. God works in the background through the free decisions of people and through the circumstances of life to accomplish his purpose. And God's purpose cannot be stopped. We need to trust God when we feel limited, when we feel hindered, that God, as we walk in obedience and faith, can fulfill his purposes through our lives. The title of my message is The Unhindered Providence of God. The Unhindered Providence of God. And look with me at verse 12 of Philippians 1. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word of God fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. 
The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking they will cause, that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. So the unhindered providence of God. How can God work when we are limited and hindered? Well, first of all, he gives unlikely progress. Unlikely progress. If you look in verse 12, he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, in other words, don't be worried about me. I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. There has been progress for the kingdom of God through my imprisonment. They've not stopped me. More importantly, they've not stopped God. God is working his purposes. And the work of God is going forward. And he's going to tell them how. But this unlikely progress, isn't it amazing how God can use sometimes things that we think are negative to bring about his purpose? I remember um, years ago when my dad surrendered to preach. I was 10 years old and my parents were leaving uh, a church that, you know, uh, had a lot of bells and whistles and, and training and stuff for kids. And my parents were worried that it was going to negatively impact me and my, and my brother and sister in, in our walk with God for them to go to a small church and serve God and trust God with that. Uh, but they chose to do what God had told them to do. Guess what? Two of us, my brother and I, came to Christ at that church. And we grew more there at that church than probably at any other time during my, my upbringing. Uh, how God can work. And, and to, to take a situation where they thought they would be hindered in helping their kids reach their potential for Christ. In fact... God's big enough to accomplish these things despite our situations. Uh, and where God guides you, God's got it all figured out. You know what I found? If we'll just listen to God, he knows better what we need than we do. And so there was this unlikely, and Paul says there's unlikely progress. There's, the gospel's going forward now more than it did when I was out. He's going to explain how here in a few minutes. Um, so there's this unlikely progress in his life. Sometimes we, you, you may get a sickness. It's amazing when sickness happens. I, I remember hearing Charles Stanley say uh, he, was, he was sick and had to go in the hospital. And he was in the hospital for a couple of months. And uh, he said he was worried about his church. He thought, well, you know, what's going to happen with the church? It's probably not going to do as well. If I'm in the hospital. But the church grew and thrived while he was in the hospital. And he said, I realize God really is the, is the key ingredient here. Uh, he can do his work regardless of whether I'm there or not. Uh, and then God spoke into his life during that time and ended up using that to bless his ministry as well. You see, God can take things that seem like setbacks for us. And use them to bring about progress in our spiritual lives and progress in the kingdom of God. That's the kind of God he is. 
He's, Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus rose up from the dead. That's the kind of God we serve. I mean, he can work. It, no situation intimidates him. He is God. So the unhindered providence of God. How can God work when we are limited and hindered? Well, he gives unlikely progress. Secondly, he gives unexpected influence. Unexpected influence. You might think, well, what influence could you possibly have when you're in jail? Except for maybe on your fellow inmates, right? Um, Those who arrested Paul probably thought, well, we put him in jail His ministry and his influence are going to be greatly hindered, and we won't have to deal with this issue anymore. But in fact, the very guards that guarded Paul ended up hearing the gospel. Can you imagine being chained to the Apostle Paul? I bet they got sermons all the time. Uh, They were hearing all kinds of great stuff. And the word that's really used in the original language here is the praetorium. The praetorium were the special guards of the emperor and of government officials and high-ranking and important officials in Rome. Uh, They were considered the best of the best. They were paid more than anyone else in all the Roman military uh, and were considered the elite of the Roman uh, uh, military, and they had great influence. Matter of fact, in one case, they killed an emperor. In another case, through their influence, they got an emperor appointed to the office. That's how influential they were. And God puts Paul right next to the Praetorians and uses Paul. And apparently the gospel had reached them and had changed them. And he knows this because he's getting feedback about this. And he says, listen, I want to tell you something. All through the Praetorian, they have heard the gospel. What influence God was going to use through this apparent setback in the life of Paul. God gave him unexpected influence. He says, he says throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else. So uh, everywhere he's going, uh, in the different places he is in, and then, of course, he was in house arrest at one point in Rome, God is, is helping him interact with the specific people that God has for him to interact with. Did you know it's no accident that God has put you where you are? In the neighborhood that you're in, in the family that you're in, that God has given you the acquaintances that you have and the friends that you have, the circumstances of your life. Think about the Good Samaritan. He just happened to be taking a trip a certain day and he came across this individual who needed his help. Listen, I believe our days, the scripture says, are written in God's book. God has a purpose and a plan for every day that we live. Some days are harder than others, right? Some days you wish, well, I wish I could have just skipped this day and moved right on to the next day. Uh, But every day has a purpose and a plan in the heart and mind of God. God gave Paul unusual influence. And, of course, he's still influencing us today through his letter that he wrote. Uh, Philippians, along with the other prison epistles that he wrote, um, are influencing people today. So unexpected influence. And, and what, isn't it an amazing thing that God can use us to influence others? Uh, we were talking this morning in Sunday school about Augustine or Augustine, however you pronounce it. 
And uh, Augustine was a wicked man. He was evil. He was involved in all kinds of wickedness. And he had a godly mother who prayed for him. She persisted in prayer. She agonized in prayer over Augustine. And finally, God got a hold of Augustine's life, and he changed him, and he became a mighty man of God, and his works are still being read. I've read some of them to this day. And his impact has gone around the world. Listen, I'm going to tell you, how important are the prayers of a godly mother? The unexpected influence. She thought her prayers would influence Augustine. But her prayers influenced Augustine. And every person Augustine won to Christ. Every person Augustine trained. Every person who's read his works. Over generations. See, we don't know what God has in mind. (laughs) What influence God might have through your life through one step of obedience. It's, it's a powerful thing to think about. Paul had unexpected influence. He was there in the prison by divine appointment. Sometimes we don't think of things that way, right? We think, well, God, what, what are you doing? God, why do you allow, I thought you loved me, God. Why did you allow me to be in prison? What's up with this thing? But this is exactly what God had in mind because God knew that Paul's influence would be greatly expanded through this experience in his life. The wisdom and providence of God. None of us would have, would have suggested that for Paul's ministry, but this was part of God's plan. So the unhindered providence of God. How can God work when we are limited and hindered? He gives unlikely progress. He gives unexpected influence. Thirdly, he gives unanticipated motivation. He's motivated. He's in the prison cell. How many of those motivational speakers tell you to go to prison to get motivated, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense, but God motivates him. Look at verse 14. He says, most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. In other words, boldly and fearfully, uh, fearlessly uh, to speak the word and this motivates Paul, right? Because he says, what is, it's for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul was consumed with a passion to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he goes into prison because he's speaking boldly for Christ. And something unexpected happens. All of these who are observing Paul's life see what he has done and how God has been with him. And they are strengthened in their faith. And they begin to speak the word of God boldly. And Paul wants to charge them with a water pistol. I mean, he is so excited. All of these people now, I was just one speaking the gospel. Now there's all these who have seen what God has done in my life and through my life. And though I'm in prison, they are continuing the work. And he's motivated by that. Can God motivate you in a difficult and struggling time? I remember one time, I, I don't even remember what was going on in my life, but I was, I was uh, 
struggling. And, and I remember I was going along and driving along in my car, and I was listening to this message, and it was like God, you've, you've had this happen. It was like God had just custom designed that message for me. And it ministered so profoundly to me. And, and I began to get excited. The Lord, I shouted. Here I am going through a trial. I'm shouting because I'm excited at what Jesus has just said to my soul. What Jesus has done. Listen, God can motivate us. He is not limited. David was running from Saul. He, he had been running from Saul over a period of years. Saul was trying to take his life. Sometimes Saul was on one side of the mountain. David was on the other side of the mountain running from him. I mean, it was just constant in his life. And at one point, he becomes discouraged, and he goes into a cave. And the Bible says that he encouraged himself in his God. He found motivation to continue through his walk with God. Sometimes we forget that we need that. We need to draw aside. Somebody once said, come apart or you'll come apart. <laughs> we, we've got to draw aside to be with God, to have our spirits refreshed and restored and lifted up. And by the way, you have drawn aside to be with God and with God's people today. And it is my prayer that God will lift you up through, the, through this, this time that we, we experience together. The motivation that God can bring when we are struggling. He knows just the right word, just the right conversation that we need, just the right scripture. Have you ever opened up the word of God and maybe you're reading through a book or something, a book of the Bible, and it happens to be right on the scripture that you need for that day? That's the way our God works a lot of times. He, he will speak very specifically to motivate us and strengthen us. In our lives. Um, <clears throat> Jesus, when he called the, the disciples, uh, he uh, told them to leave their nets to follow him. And he says, from now on, you will catch men. So you're going to go from fishing for fish to fishing for men. Well, they learned and they, they went around with Jesus. But when Jesus ultimately goes to the cross... They all just blow it. I mean, they forsake him in the garden. Peter denies him. And so what does Jesus do? Well, Peter, he, he's, got, he's grown discouraged, so he says, hey, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. And so they're, they're out there on the lake, and Jesus comes and performs the same miracle he had done before. And he tells Peter, after they eat some fish from the great catch that they've had, the miraculous catch, he tells Peter, Feed my sheep, shepherd my sheep, feed my lambs. In other words, Peter, I'm not done with you. I still have a purpose for you. I still have a plan for you. Peter's discouraged. He says, I've blown it. What am I going to do? Jesus says, I am not finished with you. You keep serving me. You keep trusting me. You see, Jesus knew the exact motivation that he needed. And he knows what motivation you need and what motivation I need. And he's able to supply it. Why is it that Christians, in places where there's persecution, uh, where they're put in jail, where they're, they're killed in some cases, um, and, and those who are left continue serving God, continue, and they have Christ's joy. How can you persevere in a situation like that? I'll tell you how. There's a supernatural God who lives in heaven, who interferes in the affairs of men, and he 
lifts us up and strengthens us and motivates us in the difficult seasons of life. So Paul's in a prison cell, but he is being motivated by the good news that he hears that the gospel is being proclaimed boldly by many people, and he's lifted up. So the unhindered providence of God. How can God work when we're limited and hindered? He gives unlikely progress. He gives unexpected influence. He gives unanticipated motivation. He gives unbelievable outreach. Verse 18, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. Okay, so Paul, he's talked about those who are speaking fearlessly the word of God, but now he's He's gone on and he said, look, now there's some who are preaching Christ because they don't like me. They are uh, jealous of me and, and they, want, they think if they preach Christ and they get some credit that I'm going to be disappointed that I didn't get the credit for it. And, and they think they're going to cause me trouble because they're preaching uh, and, and having some success with preaching the gospel. Others do so because they love and appreciate what I've done, and, and they want to support me in that. But he says, listen, in all these different ways, Christ is proclaimed. He's being proclaimed by the Praetorians as they talk about what God has done in my life. He's being proclaimed by my enemies. He's being proclaimed by my friends. But listen, I want to tell you something. This is unbelievable outreach, and I see it as a positive thing. People are hearing about Jesus Christ. Sometimes we think, well, you know, if people don't always have the right motives and people, uh, people aren't always doing the right thing, that God can't work. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Our God can do things despite the hindrances that are there. Um, I think of Elijah uh, pouring all the water on the sacrifice. You know, the prophets of Baal, they, they're trying to get their God to answer by fire, and he's He's silent, and Elijah's kind of making fun of them. He says, he says, where's your God? Is he, you know, uh, the Hebrew is something like, is he gone to the bathroom? You know, what's, what's going on? Where is he? He's not answering. And so uh, he goes, and he prepares his sacrifice, and he douses us with all this water. Why? Because Elijah didn't just want a regular burnt offering. He wanted to show how powerful his God was. And when he called to God... God answered from, with fire from heaven, and it consumed the sacrifice, but it also consumed all the water, even in the ditch. And they bowed down, and they said, the Lord, he is God. He is God. Our God can do things that we can't fathom. <laughs> He can use situations. He can even use people whose hearts aren't right. You know how I know that? Scripture calls Nebuchadnezzar God's servant. Nebuchadnezzar didn't even believe in God. But God used a wicked pagan king to accomplish his purpose of discipline for the people of Israel. Uh, and as we've been seeing in the book of Daniel on Wednesday nights, uh, Nebuchadnezzar ends up speaking about the greatness of God as well. Isn't it amazing what God can do with even an unbelieving heart? This is the God we serve. 
Paul may be in prison, but God's still working. He's still moving. And there is unbelievable outreach taking place. Paul's about to get excited. He's, uh, uh, I, I can imagine that he's just bursting with enthusiasm as he thinks about what God is doing in the situation. So the unhindered providence of God, God takes this situation. He uses the people that are jealous of Paul. He uses the people that are friends of Paul. He uses the people that are guards of Paul. All these people are sharing the good news. And Paul says, I can't believe it. It is so amazing what God is doing. This is the power of the providence of God. So how can God work when we're limited and hindered? He gives unlikely progress. He gives unexpected influence. He gives unanticipated motivation. He gives unbelievable outreach. He gives unceasing joy. Unceasing joy. Well, Paul, I thought you were in prison. Don't you know you're not supposed to be happy in prison? Don't you know you're not supposed to have joy in prison? Paul says, in this I rejoice. (laughs) My God is still God. There may be bars around me, but I'm going to tell you something. My God is still God. He's still at work. And I'm going to rejoice in the fact that I know him. You see, as Christians, we have the presence of God within us. Uh, Bill Gaither wrote a song years ago. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. And, And I really like that because... It's true. Listen, Jesus is in my heart. I'm going to tell you something. Nobody can take that from me. He's there forever. Uh, The Bible says that I am held in his hand and no one can pluck me out. Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith. And he will always be there. Uh, So Paul had the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is our strength, isn't it? Here he is in the prison cell and he's worshiping. And he's delighting in God. He's rejoicing in what God is doing. He is having a party as he thinks about what God is doing in his life. And as he writes this letter to the Philippians. Um, Paul and Silas in another jail (laughs) were rejoicing, weren't they? They were having a worship service. Singing songs of praise to God after they'd been beaten for sharing the gospel. And... They had a revival service there, right there in the prison. And uh, God ended up opening the prison doors uh, so that they could go out. And uh, the jailer was then one to faith in Christ. And so, uh, great story. But listen, I want to tell you something. No matter where you are, it, it, it may be geographical, like in a prison cell, or, or it, may be, um, it may be where you are in your state, in your circumstances of life, uh, where you are in your struggle. It doesn't matter where you are. You can have the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord can be your strength. How? Through the presence of the Spirit of God within you. Now, I'm not saying you won't struggle. Listen, I've struggled. And, and I know we, we do struggle. And, and we're human beings. And God knows that our feet are of clay. But I'm going to tell you something. You can bring your burdens to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can cast your care on Him because He cares for you. And as he begins to lift up your eyes and fix your your eyes upon Jesus, he's going to take the struggle, and even though the circumstances will be there, he'll have his joy there in your heart in the midst of it all. And what, what an awesome thing. 
And then we have a joy yet to come. The scripture says, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Um, What we experience in the joy of our fellowship with God now and our worship uh, is just a taste of what it's going to be like in heaven. So take the best, if, if you've had, maybe you, there's a day you can remember in your past where, where God just profoundly touched you, profoundly encouraged you, maybe in a time of worship or maybe through uh, a revival service or maybe, maybe through uh, uh, a scripture time, maybe a personal time with God that you had. Just a taste. Just a taste. One day we're going to see face to face. Listen, our joy, as we come to to the Lord in faith, can be restored here. But it will definitely be restored there. (laughs) And no one will be able to take our joy. Won't that be a wonderful time? So Paul, uh, he may be in a prison cell, but guess what? God is still God. Whatever you're going through, can I tell you something? God is still God. He's still able. He's still the same he was when you had good times. He is able to work and move and may just use the negative circumstance you're going through to accomplish his purposes in your life. Keep trusting him. You know, oftentimes our response to difficulty and hardship is to question God. Why? And that's okay. We can question God. God's, uh, God's big enough to, to take those questions and, and to, uh, to deal with those things. But how much better if we can say, Lord, I don't understand this. I, I don't know why the circumstances are going on in my life. But I know that you love me. And I trust you. I know that you're there. I know that you promised never to leave me or forsake me. I trust you. I know that things don't look good, but I trust you. Because I know that you're faithful. And uh, as we look through life, at life through the circumstance and through the lens of the sovereignty and the providence of an almighty God, we know that he will carry us through and he will accomplish his purposes. What hindrances are there in your life? Paul had another hindrance. He said, you know, I've got this thorn in the flesh. He asked God three times to take it away. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul said, so, so much more. I will rejoice in my weaknesses, in the hindrances, and all of these things that go on in my life, because when I am weak, I'm strong. You see, God doesn't need our strength. He's God, right? He doesn't need our strength. But when you and I struggle in weakness and with hindrances in our lives, it gives God an opportunity to show how great he is. And God will work and move in our lives, and he will accomplish his purposes. Trust him. Hold on to the fact that God is with you and he'll carry you through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. 
We thank you, Lord, that your providence is unhindered. We thank you that you can take what the world means for evil and you can use it for good. And Lord, we pray that we would trust you in the circumstances of our lives, in the challenges of our lives, in the hindrances and limitations of our lives, God. And we would look to you in faith and say, Lord, I can't, but you can. I trust you. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I pray that today would be the day they would make a choice to repent of their sin and put their trust in Jesus to forgive them and give them the gift of eternal life. Father, enable people to make that decision sincerely from the heart today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.